Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we do indeed celebrate the day of Pentecost. Now, as we've talked about, we often associate with Pentecost with those images of fire, flames of fire like we see in, and hear in Acts chapter 2 as the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and tongues of fire hovered over their heads. But in our gospel reading today, we think about Pentecost with a different image in mind, the image of water. Jesus standing up and talking about proclaiming rivers of living water. Now, in order to understand this moment that was taking place in our gospel reading today, we need to stand back for just a moment and, and understand really how important water is to the entire gospel of John. Did you know that, that water is mentioned in every chapter of the Gospel of John up to chapter 7, where our Gospel reading is today, so that by the time we get there and we hear Jesus talk about this living water, we see how important it is, how all of this has built up. In the first chapter of John, John the Baptist was baptizing with water. He was pointing people to Jesus, the Son of God, who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, Jesus performs his first miracle by, by turning water into wine. In chapter 3, Jesus talks with Nicodemus that in order for one to enter the kingdom of God, one must be born of water and the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, Jesus offers living water to the Samaritan woman at the well. In chapter 5, Jesus heals a paralyzed man who had been trying to get healed at the waters of the pool of Bethesda. And in chapter 6, Jesus demonstrates his power over all creation by walking on water. I think it's fair to say that the Gospel of John is indeed all about water. What's more, when you see all that, when you know all that, and then you do arrive at chapter 7, and you hear Jesus begin talking about living water, you begin to understand more fully how important this pinnacle moment truly is. Now we need to keep in mind the context for, for Jesus speaking. This takes place during a feast in the city of Jerusalem. And John writes, uh, on the last day of the feast. And so we ask ourselves, what feast was it? What was going on? Well, this was the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents. So every year near the beginning of October, the Feast of Booths was the time when the people of Israel would gather in Jerusalem and celebrate the final harvest of the year. But this festival was about more than just a harvest. It was also the opportunity for God's people to remember and give thanks for all of God's gracious provision during their time wandering in the wilderness. And they would remember the days back during the Exodus when they themselves dwelled in booths and tents. And when you read about that history in the Old Testament, you know that one of the biggest concerns that the Israelites had during that time was their need for water. The water they needed to survive in order to survive the inhospitable elements of the wilderness. And it was God who time and time again faithfully, miraculously provided his people with the life-giving water that they needed. You remember the rock at, at Horeb and Moses striking the rock and water flowing enough for all the people. 
And so at the Feast of Booths then, every year in commemoration of all of this, every day during the week-long celebration, at the time of the morning sacrifice, the priest would, would process from the temple in Jerusalem down to the ancient pool of Siloam, and he would fill a pitcher that was made of pure gold. And once the procession reached this pool, the, the priest would dip the, the pitcher in the water. He would fill it with water. And the people would all be waving branches cut from trees. And they would be shouting those words from Isaiah chapter 12. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. And then this procession would, would go back up to the temple from the pool and the priest would then pour out that water at the altar as an offering to the Lord. Again, remembering that the Lord had not only provided water to his people in the past in miraculous ways, but also that he would continue to provide them with something much greater, the waters of eternal life. Biblical scholars even noted that at this feast every year, uh, pilgrims would be given a little jar that they could fill with water from the pool, just as a little souvenir to take home with them from the festival. But this year, this year that Jesus was there, this year something different was going to happen. And so on the last day of this week-long feast, John tells us at the very height of the celebration when the priest would have been pouring out water that day, not just once, but on the last day it was seven times he would do this. And so at that moment it was then that Jesus stood up and he says something quite remarkable, something quite out of the ordinary, something unexpected. John writes, on the last day of the Feast of Booths, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so we can clearly see that Jesus' words were no coincidence to the occasion. He is boldly and unapologetically stepping forward right when the people would have been worshiping God, the one who had provided for all of their physical and spiritual thirst. And he was proclaiming, Jesus was saying that anyone who was thirsty, truly thirsty, should come to him and drink. And that he would provide rivers of living water so that they would never go thirsty again. Just think about how profound a moment that must have been. The impact of, of not only what Jesus said, but when he said it. The impact like that cannot be overstated. Jesus was speaking to a people who knew what it meant to be thirsty, both with physical thirst, like during their time of the Exodus, as well as with spiritual thirst, as a people who longed for God's salvation. And Jesus, in no uncertain terms, was telling them that in order to satisfy their thirst, they needed to come to him. And we didn't hear it in our reading today, but John goes on to tell us what the reaction of the people was to, to Jesus saying all this. And some said, well, this really is the prophet, referring to the, the prophet that Moses said would come after him one day. Others said, this is the Christ, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. But still others, many others, were divided about Jesus. Some even wanted to arrest him for what he had just said. And the chief priests and the Pharisees denounced Jesus. Everyone was thirsty, but not everyone wanted the water that Jesus was willing to give. What about us? What are we thirsty for? I think nowadays we can all pretty 
well agree and, and very clearly see that this world today is still full of thirsty people. We as human beings need and desire so much, not only for our physical health, but for our spiritual health as well. Our lives are full of trials and challenges from the moment we're born until the moment we close our eyes in death. But one thing is certain, those trials and challenges not only reveal our thirst, reveal that we are desperately in need, but they also reveal where someone goes to try to satisfy that thirst. Take stock for yourself. Where is it that you find yourself turning when you need comfort? or assurance, or security in your life? Where does your mind, or your heart, or your trust go in order to satisfy the thirst that we all have in life? People can turn to so many different things in life. Some people, they turn to their bank accounts. They obsess over work and money and finances, and so their security is tied to a figure in a bank statement. But the problem with money, of course, is that money doesn't care about you. And one way or another, it always and eventually leaves us. For other people, they turn to the pleasures of this world, seeking comfort in whatever it is makes them feel good that day. Whether it's romantic relationships or alcohol or drugs or entertaining themselves by what they find on a TV or on a smartphone screen. But even after all the things that we could possibly consume in this world, we find that our thirst still hasn't gone away. Still for others, they turn to politics or politicians. We are already getting special announcements and grandstanding for a presidential election that is still over 17 months away. So I guess just buckle in for the next year and a half. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on, the amount of shameful and prideful and petty behavior from our politicians at times is enough to make one disillusioned with it all. No wonder we are commanded in Scripture to pray for our leaders. They need it. And yet still people go to this barren well of putting their trust in other leaders and people. The amount of hope and trust that, that a person puts into this person or, or that political party in order to fix all of our problems, in order to make us feel secure. And we think, if only this person were elected, if, or, if only that person were allowed to do what they wanted, then everything would be made right. But it's always going to be broken. It's never going to be perfect. Because this is still always an imperfect world full of sinful human beings. And yet, how many hours, how much energy do we sink into being worried about everything that we hear on the news? Regardless of any of the things that I've mentioned, whether it's the time we spend pursuing wealth or harmful vices or absorbing endless entertainment or social media or trying to listen to every ounce of political news that we can, no matter what it is for all of us, we all need to step back and take what I call just a, a moment of personal audit. Just count up all the hours in a week's time that you spend going after any of those things in an attempt to satisfy your thirst. Time spent drinking from and being catechized by the things of this world. And then, and then compare it to the time that you spend with Jesus. Time spent in his word. Time spent reading or 
studying or meditating or praying. And so how does that stack up? And what does that say about ourselves? No matter what things we may turn to, whether it's money or pleasure or politics or even our own supposed good works, the problem is that none of these things can give us what we truly need. In fact, they only make our death-delivering thirst that much worse. And the reason for this is because each and every one of us is a sinner. Our sins have, have caused us to be devoid of the life and the health that we need. Our sins have caused this world at times to be a barren wasteland. Our sins have dried up our bones unto death. And we do not have what it takes in and of ourselves to make ourselves alive again. We cannot satisfy our own thirst. We can work and work and work as long as we want to, but nothing we do can ever make us more safe, can make us more secure, can make us more comforted, could make us more alive. There is only one solution to the grave thirst that we have, one source of water that can make us alive, and that's Jesus. And so we listen carefully to his words to us today from John chapter 7, when he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There is only one who can satisfy all of our needs of both body and soul. And that is exactly what Jesus does mercifully for each and every one of us. The gospel writer John goes on to record for us that six months after our gospel reading today, six months after the Feast of Booths, which again would have been in October, so about April the next year, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for yet another feast, this time the Feast of the Passover. And it was there that Jesus offered himself as the unblemished Passover lamb, the lamb of God as the sacrifice on the cross, as the atonement for everything that makes us so parched in our lives. And do you remember the last thing that Jesus said before he said, it is finished? Jesus said to fulfill all scripture, I thirst. You see, Jesus stepped into our place as thirsty people. A place that he did not need to be, a place that he did not deserve on account of his perfect life as the Son of God. And yet, Jesus was willing to take our place as the needful sinners that we are, so that by his sacrifice, our sins could be forgiven and we could be made alive. And after Jesus died and the soldiers saw that he had died, they pierced his side with a spear. And out of the body of our Savior came a river of living water mingled with the precious blood that saves us. The blood that paid the price for your sins and mine and the water that quenches our thirst. This river of living water flows all the way from the cross to the baptismal font. And it washed over you the day that you were baptized. Jesus said, out of your heart, you who believe in him will flow rivers of living water. When Jesus said this, John says, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet, the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
But you see, Jesus was glorified at his cross and at his resurrection. And like we talked about last week, at his ascension. And Jesus promised his disciples that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And so he did. And so then it was at the next feast, the one after the feast of the Passover, the feast of the Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit was poured out at the body on the body of Christ. And so ever since that day, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all believers at their baptism with that same life-giving water that Jesus promised. And so you, as one who has been given faith by the Spirit to believe in Jesus, you can be certain that all of your sins are washed away. You know the source of living water. You are able to return to that source time and time again with joy to draw waters from the, joy, from the wells of salvation. You don't need to go to, to the, the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem to draw water. You draw it from Jesus. And he's always there for you. You can draw it any time. In this world, we will continue to see people and hear about people turning to all sorts of things and attempt to satisfy this thirst that we all have. We may even be tempted on occasion to turn towards these things of this world as well. But when we realize that that's what we're doing, we stop, we repent, we receive forgiveness again from Jesus because we know that the wells of his forgiveness never run dry. Jesus said that when we believe in him, out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. But that also means that that tide which has flowed into our lives can't help but then flow out from our hearts and into this world. Remember, the day of Pentecost was the birth of the Christian church and the beginning of that gospel mission that would extend beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so that all who call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And so God has placed you and me today in our own individual ends of the earth we continue to carry out this mission that began on Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And this river of living water flows through us into our homes, into our families, into our community, all those whom we meet. You see, we have the privilege of pointing a desperate and thirsty world to Jesus so that they too may come to him and drink. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.